0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. How's everyone today? Nice and cool inside? Amen. Everyone can be seated. Hallelujah. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon. Amen. Hallelujah. I know a lot of you have been, um, you know, receiving me and saying, oh, my God, I haven't seen you for so long. But, um, you know, family comes first and my kids for me will always come first. And their love and desires, I will always try to help them to accomplish and achieve and, you know, and go for them, amen. So for a few, well, for several Sundays, amen, and Saturdays, I was at the ballpark with my son because he was playing baseball, and he really enjoyed it. And I was glad to see him active as something that he was passionate about, you know, telling me every morning, Mom, come on, we got to get dressed. We got to get going. I got a game today. And if we were rushing from somewhere, he's changing his clothes inside the car just to be ready when he got out on that field. And that was amazing. And those times we cannot neglect with our children. We cannot, um, you know, give them up for something else. Hallelujah. And I know that the Lord, that too, so I know that I had his favor, right, and his grace while I went out there and supported my son in what he was doing. But it's been it's been good being back. The last two weeks, um, a few weeks ago, I was also um, preaching at my mom's church. Had the um, the honor of doing that, and it's amazing. You know, God's word um, is amazing to me in the aspect that we can learn so much from it, from the same chapter, from the same book. You can read it over and over, and God will will continue to just reveal new things about what you can learn from what you are reading. And at my mother's church, I shared the chapter that I'll be sharing with you guys today. But the Lord had given me a totally different message for their church, a totally different um, aspect and revelation about it. And then when he took me to the chapter again for today, I said, wow, I didn't see that previously, how, you know, we can talk about this today. And I appreciate the song that, that, um, that the um, worship team did at the end, Nothing is Impossible, because truly, is, truly nothing is impossible for God, right? And that's easy for us to understand. It's easy for us to understand because of our experiences with God that nothing truly is impossible for him, that he can do all things. We truly believe that. But sometimes what it's hard to believe is in ourselves, and today, God took me to this place. And when he gave me the theme, I thought it was going to be something else, right? Because the theme he gave me was a way out of no way. And when you think about a way out of no way, you think, I thought Moses, I thought the departing of the seas, how if the Lord had not split those seas and them walked through, um, through those open waters, they would not have been able to escape their, um, their enemies. But God made a way out of no way where they thought they were trapped. God said, no, here's where I glorify myself and I let you go through and I show you that I'm victorious and that you're victorious in me. And so when I heard that theme, I thought, well, maybe we're going to talk about how God can do things um, literally for us when we are in situations and hardships. And although that's true, it's not the direction God took me. Amen. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But this week has been a hard week. And as Pastor was sharing, you know, the people of God have been um, attacked in many ways. And unfortunately, this week, my family, we had a great loss. And um, it was my aunt from Florida. And even though she was saved, as a human person, you still feel the loss. You still know that that person is absent from this earth. Amen. And it was difficult. It was hard to see my father endure the news because almost five years ago, he lost his brother in the same month from the same thing. She had a massive heart attack. And um so it was a difficult week. And as I got closer to wanting to sit down and begin to write down what the Lord had been sharing with me and imparting in me, um, my my week got busier and busier. The closer I got to Friday, the more I had to do and the more running around, you know, um, that um was um just inevitable for me. But God is good because He is faithful and He still Gives us what we need to hear. And this word impacted me as much as I hope it will impact you. And um, I'm going to support Helen Helen today, right? The Lord is not even, it's not even me, it's God. God is supporting the. commandment that was given unto Helen amen about evangelizing on this day because the Lord knows that the lost souls need to be saved they need a word of hope they need for us to share his love with him with them amen in order for them to be saved hallelujah so today we're going to talk about how when we think there is no way something can happen that God shows us there is a way Or how we sometimes think we can't do something, and the Lord comes and tells us, yes, you can. We say, no way, and God says, yes way, because I'm with you. Yes, you can. Amen? So I want to start by sharing the chapter we'll be reading from today, Um, uh, book of Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 6. Amen? And when we begin to read the book of, um, or chapter 6, when we begin to read it, it shows us how, or it talks about how God's people had, done evil in the sight of God. See, the people of God were like yogos. They were good, you know, through a certain season, and then they were down through another season. And, you know, they always struggled keeping their focus on God, keeping their trust and their confidence in God. They had moments of weakness and moments of strength. And during this time, they had a moment of weakness, and they lost hope in God. They lost their trust in God. And so God allowed them to fall into the hands of the Minyanites. And they stayed in this place, they stayed in this predicament for over seven years they endured being at the hand of the Midianites So much so that they hid themselves in the mountains inside the dens and the caves that they found in order to try to keep themselves protected from the Midianites. But it took them seven years, seven, that's a lot of years for them to start calling out to God and saying, help us God because we need you now. And the Lord, in his grace and his mercy, he sent them a prophet, and he reminded them of how he had delivered them from Israel and how he was the mighty God who was on their side and would deliver them again. Amen? But then we begin to read the story about an individual named Gideon. And that's where I want to start um, our Bible reading today. And I'm going to have you remain seated because we're going to read through it periodically um, through this chapter. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So we find ourselves here in verse 11 reading about Gideon and how he was hiding what he was doing in the wine press in order to keep it from the Midianites, right? Threshing wheat meant that he was um, basically removing the shafts, the, the things that are around the grain to get to the grain that's inside off of it in order to hide then the grains to keep it for his people. Because also in the beginning of the chapter, um, it, t- it tells us how the Midianites would come when the Israelites harvest, when they, when they were ready to harvest everything that they had um, sowed and, and planted, they would come in numerous numbers and just take up all their harvest, all their crops, even their oxen and their and their sheeps and their donkeys, everything was taken by them and they were left with nothing so the Israelites found themselves in an impoverished state. amen. So here Gideon was trying to hide the little that he could to keep for his family. And he was doing this, the Bible says, in hiding, somebody say in hiding. In hiding, he was putting all of this in the wine press. The fact that he was doing this in hiding is significant. It stuck out to me. The fact that the people had to take into the dens and the caves to hide is an important thing to observe. Because it gives us some insight into why Gideon responds to God the way he does when God begins to share with him, amen, what he was about to do through him. Hallelujah. And in the next few verses... This is the point that the first point that God gave me. He said, self-doubt can kill your destiny. Self-doubt can kill your purpose. Self-doubt can kill your future. Hallelujah. But thank God Gideon didn't allow this but if we see his responses and we pay attention to what he says and asks the lord we can see how easily his self-doubt could have killed the destiny god had in plan for him and for the israel people amen and so verse 12 says and the angel of the lord appeared to him and said to him the lord is with you you mighty man of valor and that was also interesting to me i said here is a man who's hiding because he's not, you know, he's afraid of being found by the Minyanites. He's hiding because it's probably what he learned from his fathers and his elders. It's a learned behavior, the fact that he's hiding away and doing doing what he's doing. Amen. But God calls him a man of valor. When I think about a man of valor, I don't think about someone who's in hiding. I think about David, how Nate shared with us two weeks ago, how he was the smallest, the youngest, and yet God called him to be the king. And he went in front of David. I mean, he ran in front of Goliath with stones and a slingshot and took over his enemy, right? Fearlessly. He didn't stand back. He didn't try to hide like the others were. He went out there and did what he did because he trusted in God and knew who was behind him. That I think, that's who I think a man of valor is. Or oh, Rebecca, who was willing to fight and go and head an army when the man did not have the bravery or the boldness to do so. He asked Rebecca and Rebecca said, sure, I'll go. But the victory will belong to me because God is going to use me to free God's people. Amen. That's people that we think of valor, that have valor, that are brave. But God, see, God knows who created, who he created in us. And God knew who he had created in Gideon. He knew his plans for him. He knew who he had, what he had put in him. But he also knew that Gideon didn't see himself as as God saw him. So he called him right away, a man of valor. He started speaking life into the self-doubt that he knew Gideon had about himself. And that's God. He is awesome that way. He'll never address our weakness. He's always going to address our strengths because that's where he is going to be able to use us mightily and powerfully if we trust in him because there's a purpose for our weaknesses. And we'll get that. We'll get there in a few. Hallelujah. This doesn't seem, right? So like I said, it didn't seem like a man of valor because he was caught hiding. However, God in his awesome greatness, he lets him know I've just with those few words, he was trying to tell him I've created you for a purpose and not to be hiding, but to be out and bold and brave in front of your, in front of the people and in front of your enemy, because I have a victory for the people of God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. So even though he had learned to accept Who he was to accept that maybe he was a failure, that he was never going to amount to anything, that his life was meant to just be in hiding. God wanted to show him that he had a different plan for him. And many times we find ourselves in that same fashion, right? In that same situation. God is trying to call us out, trying to um, encourage us to go out there and do something different. Something that maybe we're not comfortable with, but our self-doubt gets in the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, God, in his loving and tender ways, continues to encourage Gideon. And he continues to tell him in verse 13 Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. See, Midian. See, Gideon didn't have his own personal relationship with God. He didn't experience with his own eyes what his forefathers and his ancestors had experienced with God in the, in, 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 um, when he delivered, when they, when God delivered them from Egypt. All these things were things he heard, things that he had been told, but he had never experienced them from himself. So he didn't have anything to, gro- to, to lean on. He didn't have anything to hold on when it came to trusting God, when it came to knowing that God was the one that was calling him out in this moment. So then the Lord turned to him and said, look at how God speaks to him again. Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Minianites. Have I not sent you? Again, he speaks word of encouragement to Gideon. Again, he speaks word into um, and life into the self doubt area that he knew Gideon had about himself by telling him, go in this might of yours. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. See, here's Gideon's self-doubt speaking. This is Gideon's self-doubt telling the Lord, this is who I am. I don't see what you see, but this is I know who I am. This is who I've learned that I am, right? He didn't think much about himself. He He told him, I'm the least of my family. I, it probably meant for him, to him that, you know, no one thought he was going to do anything. He wasn't capable of becoming anything, amen, or that he probably wasn't going to do, go far. Maybe much wasn't expected of him. Maybe the only thing that was expected of him was to hide and save food for his family. That's all Gideon was capable of. That's what that verse makes me believe. His response makes me believe that he didn't think he was capable of doing anything other than hide and save food. Amen. Hallelujah. He had learned to doubt himself and he questioned God, not God's capabilities, but God being able to do it through him. Because see, if the Lord, if the Lord appeared to him in an eight, right, if the angel appeared to him, it says that the angel appeared to him. And later on, we read that. He says, the angel left his sight, which makes me, understand that he was seeing this angel. This angel was talking to him face to face. Another in verse 22, it says, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. this was a miracle. This was something that you didn't see every day. So of course, now he has to have some sort of understanding, some level of understanding that God is great and mighty and powerful. If he can send an angel down to talk to me and that I can have a face to face conversation, some trust or some, some level of growth in him and God had to have begun then. But it was still himself that he could not believe in. He could not trust or believe that God could do anything with him. Amen? Hallelujah. But God sees beyond that and encourages him by calling him a man of valor. He tells him, go in his might. God is trying to tell him, I have already put everything you need inside of you everything that you need to win this battle everything that you need to lead these people I've already given it to you, it's already inside of you, but you have accepted and you have learned to live on the lies that you have been told or that you have been taught, but now I need you to understand and believe in what I'm telling you I'm calling you a man of valor I'm telling you, yes you can and yes you will be able to because I am going with you, and if you believe in me being the almighty all powerful God, then you need to believe that in through you, I will be able to do miraculous and great and mighty things. Amen? And that is the word of God today towards us. Let's not allow self-doubt killed our destiny. Let's not allow self-doubt kill what God wants to do through us. You might be weaker. You might be missing something in your life, but God is saying that you are still powerful and capable of doing what God has called you to do. It doesn't matter if you're missing a limb. It doesn't matter if God if people have called you stupid and dumb or that you will not be able to achieve the goals you set in your mind to achieve. God is telling you today, yes, I am making a way out of no way. People are going to see my glory through you because you're going to allow me to use you. And they're going to see that weak person just said that, did that, was able and capable of that. And God is going to say, yes, because I am glorified through her or through him. Amen. We are mighty individuals in God. Hallelujah. But we allow this world and its conditions to tell us who we're supposed to be, who we were meant to be. When God's word tells us that we were fearfully made in his image to do great and mighty things. The word God of the Lord tells me that I have the mind of Christ. And when you think about what the mind of Christ is. It is an amazing, awesome, wonderful thing that you can't even begin to fathom. The fact that he created us from the dust. The fact that he created the leaves, the skies, the sun, the light from the day, from the, uh, the night from the day. That is a creative mind. That mind, God says, we have it as well. So we are creative individuals. We are creative creatures. We can do anything that God tells us and asks us to do because he has already given us what we need in order to do the task, amen? But Gideon still needed to learn that yes, God was going to be able to do this through him. So in verse 16, he says, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And when we read on further, the Lord tells him that the people of Israel need to know that it's God who delivers them from the hands of the Midianites. But all along at the beginning, because he's trying to build up his faith and he's trying to build up his courage and he's trying to increase his boldness. He wants him to know that he is capable and able to do what he does, That what he's going to do. He speaks to him, his person, his man, what God has placed inside of him. He speaks to him as one he says, you're able, you're capable. I am sending you and you will deliver the, peop- the, peop- the, God of- the people of God from the hands of the Midianites. Hallelujah. But later on, Gideon understands that it was God through him, but he had to be willing. He had to accept the command that God was giving and placing in his hands. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 17 says, then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me, do not part from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I'll wait until you come back. But look at what he tells him. Here he tells him again, if, I now, if now I have found favor, then show me a sign and talk with me, that you, have, that you were the one who talked to me. Still, it's doubt coming through, because uh, hello, like I said before, You're speaking to an angel. This angel appeared like right in front of you, and you're gonna have doubt about God? I don't think so. He knows God exists, he knows God is real. It's still him trying to figure out, you sure that it's me you were supposed to come and appear to? You know, like I could imagine speaking to himself and saying that, like, are you sure that I'm the one God is calling to do this immense task? Because I can't see it. I can't see it, not yet. But the angel of God was faithful and he waited. And Gideon brought his offering, and the angel of God gave him step-by-step instructions how to offer up the offering, and the fire came and consumed everything. And that gave him some level of encouragement. That gave Gideon some level of trust in God. I think that's the moment when he started to think, well, you know, maybe this is God. Maybe this is God telling me I'm the one who needs to go forward, amen? Now Gideon in 22, now Gideon perceived, it says, that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, at last, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Amen. He was starting to embrace the calling that God had placed upon him. But self-doubt can be a very tragic thing and can definitely keep you away from the future you had for yourself and the future that God was um, directing you towards I remember growing up right um and being in school I was always a B average student you know I wasn't I wasn't A student I had a few 90s here and there but it was usually high 80s but my math math was my worst subject I I I just couldn't grasp it I couldn't take it I couldn't understand it you know I I did well enough to pass, I did well enough to to make it out through high school, amen, to God be the glory, but it wasn't because I understood it, you know, there are people who can, you know, see a problem and understand, dissect it and tell you why it's that way and why you solve it this way and, you know, I never learned the why, all I learned was the how, I memorized the rules and I tried to get by, right, so math was the worst subject for me. But writing and English were my favorite subjects. I loved to read. I would read sometimes to three, four in the morning and then have a hard time getting up the next day. But it was something I enjoyed and I liked writing. And throughout the school years, I always found that my teachers you know, gave me good grades in writing, so I had confidence in my writing. So here I graduate high school and I'm going off to college. Well, actually, first before that, I'm talking to my counselor and I'm filling out you know, what schools I want to attend. And the first one I put on top is Baruch College because I knew they had a good business um, degree. And at that time, that's where my dreams were. My goals were to own a boutique. I loved fashion at that time. <laughs> I've left go of those, uh, some of those things from the past. But I did love fa- pa- um, fashion then, and I always saw myself, so envisioned myself, since I was really young, having and owning a boutique. So I said, I need to go to business school, learn how to run my own business, and little by little, make it there. So... I applied. I put, you know, I put down Baruch, and I'm speaking with my counselor, and she's looking at my um, list, and she goes, mm, "I don't think you should apply to a four-year college because you're not going to get in. Your 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 grades are not strong enough." I don't know if if any of you know, but I grew up in the Monroe Projects, Soundview and Lafayette, not too far from here, and you know, I never. At growing up, I never wanted to pick up the slang words. I, I, you, never, you hardly ever heard me speaking slang. You hardly ever s- heard me speaking as those around me. Like, I, I always tried to speak as proper as I knew how to, right? But at that moment, inside me, <clears throat> the Monroe came out of me. And inside, this whole thing came out, and I remember it as d- clearly as they were. I, you know that whole thing came out th- around that time, too? That whole, like, you could shake your hand and snap your finger. Inside of me, I was like, who this chick thinks she is telling me that I can't apply to a four-year college because of my grades? And then I sat, you know, and then I thought, plus, chick, you don't know the God I serve. He makes a way out of no way. If he wants me to go there, I will be going there. So I applied anyway, <laughs> right? So, and God is good because I got in and amen to God, be the glory that day. I learned to push myself. I didn't care who was tell, who would tell me you can't do this. You can't do that. You're not good enough. I'm going to do it anyway. And if I fail, I fail, but at least I learned in my failure. Right? So I learned that that day and I went to Baruch. I took the entry exam. I get my results. And obviously, I knew math. I knew I was going to have to take remedial courses. I could accept that. I was fine with that. No problem. But then I also learned that I had to take remedial in writing. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I felt at that moment, it was incredible. Like, my high went down to such a low. I felt like a loser. I felt I felt my confidence go down. You know, I felt self-doubt creep in. So much so that I said, the heck with this i'm not going there's no way i'm gonna sit through two courses that i went through already you know almost eight years of my life and then they're not even credited to you then you have to go and take the required courses after and that just you know it put me in such a bad place and i allowed the self-doubt to take me out from the future i had seen for myself amen and the future that i was hoping god was taking me through so i did not go and it kept me several years from school so much so that I just I, I went at some point to Mercy. I took a few courses there. I did my remedial courses there. And then, you know, okay, I kind of realized that the format that I had been taught was a little bit freer than the format that you're really supposed to write in. So I appreciated at that time, right, that I took the remedial courses. And I really did get better in my writing as I went to, um, as I continued college. You know, professors would um, say, you know, you have a good grasp on how to write and how to express yourself. So that was encouraging. But I still didn't know where my career was going because now I was a little older. You know, my dreams had changed, and I didn't know what path I wanted to take. So I didn't stay at Mercy. It, again, another few more years before I went to BMCC, and I got um, my associates. And I landed a job in an office, but it still I didn't know what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, it wasn't until my early thirties that I kind of realized where my passion was taking me and what I want to do when my goal is to go back for my masters very soon in Jesus name. Amen. But self-doubt can be so detrimental to our future when we allow it to take over us and to take control of our thoughts and our minds and our feelings. Amen. And Gideon had another moment, right? Because the thing about self-doubt it resurfaces from time to time. And if you don't know how to push it away, it can take you right back down that, um, tangle web. Amen. That, um, is not going to lead us to our future. And so in verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hands, as you have said, look, realize he said by my hands, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. So here is Gideon Asking God for a sign, because still he has some doubt. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece and a bowl full of water came out. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Still, one more sign. He needed just one more confirmation that God, I am the one you chose, right? that I I picture him saying this, let me test, I pray just once more with the fleece. I let it now be dry only on the fleece, but not all the ground. Let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. That's God's grace and mercy, right? For us still extending it to him, still letting him know, yes, I am the one sending you. Yes, I am backing you up. Yes, you're going um, in your power, but I am going to be right with you. Amen. And at first glance, again, we might think that his request for the signs was because he was doubting God and didn't trust him. But the fact that he said, you're sending me, that it's going to be by my hand, led me to believe that he was still just one more time questioning God. Be sure. I just need to be sure that it's me. Because, again, all I know is who I've been for all these years, and now you're telling me that I can be somebody different? I need to be sure for myself, of myself, that I can do what you're telling me I can do. And God is so gracious that we can ask him these questions. We can place signs before him, and he will reveal himself to us. And he will encourage us and let us know, yes, I'm here, but it's up to us to then take up the calling, amen? And thank God that Gideon decided to take the calling, to accept what God was telling him, that he was a man of valor, that with bravery and boldness and courage and with God with him, he was going to impossibly overrun the Midianites, amen? Thank God he did not let his doubt take control of him. Hallelujah. God sometimes is calling us to do something that seems out of our comfort zone. And we're trying to fight it tooth and nail. We just, we're going against the grain over and over again. We're fighting with God, and we don't want him to do what he wants to do with us because we're simply scared. We're afraid. We have fear. Amen? But the Bible says that fear is not of God, that he has given us what? A sound mind. He has given us love, power, and a sound mind. Amen? Meaning that we are capable of doing anything and everything he puts in our minds and in our hearts. But it brings me to the second point that God showed me. And it's do not let fear dictate your outcome. If Gideon would have lo- allowed his fear to dictate his outcome, the victory would not have been won. The people of God would have still been in captivity. Hallelujah. Think about that. If he had not accepted God's call, the people of God would have still been in captivity. If we don't accept God's calling in our life, how many people are we keeping in captivity? Because of fear. Because we're allowing fear to dictate our outcome. Hallelujah. Instead of allowing God to be the one to dictate our outcome. Believing in him that he can do all things through us in Christ Jesus. Because he is sending us forth to do so. Hallelujah. Jesus. You know, this was me for a little while. I was always trying to fight against the grain. I was always, growing up, I always thought, you know, I would see individuals being assertive, and I would say, why can't I be assertive? I want to be assertive. And I said, why can't I dictate and tell people to do this and do that and, you know, get people to do what I want them to do? Why can't I be like that, Lord? And I was always fighting against myself, who God created me to be. But through my bachelor's degree, I learned a few things, and combined with, the fact that we learned um, about personalities and giftings here in the church, it taught me something about myself. It taught me that God created me to be a certain way, and that was okay. I needed to be content and happy with myself with the way God created me to be. I didn't have to be what somebody else was. I didn't have to be what I saw with my eyes other people doing. All I needed to be was what God had called me to be, amen? And I learned that in my personality, I'm a great assistant. I will assist you out to the end, and I am happy and content doing just that. I love it. You give me a few directions, and I'm there for you. I will make it happen. Whatever it is that, you know, whatever your vision is, I will make it happen. I might have a vision, and I don't know how to make it happen for myself. But it's because of my personality traits, and that's why And then I have to step, you know, next to someone who has different personality traits, who are more aggressive, who are more assertive, who are more, you know, like the lion personality, who are going to take charge and do and get it done. I explain to them what I want and what I see, and they help me get it done, right? But I'm the opposite. You tell me, I help you, and I can help you get it done, amen? But when, God, when finally I was able to settle and, and, and accept who I was, accept who God made me to be, God did something. See, because God is always looking for the opportunity to mature us, to grow us, to expand us, and to increase us. So here comes God and says, okay, you've accepted who you are. Great. I'm happy with you, but now I need you to accept who you're going to be because of me, not because of you, not because of your innate design, because you see, it's comfortable for me when I'm in my innate design and I'm working where God, you know, created me to be. I'm good. I'm happy. It's easy for me. It's painless. I can do it. But God now wanted me not to rely on me. He wanted me to learn to rely on him. And that's when he started taking me up a notch and he started taking me into leadership Something that I never saw myself doing. Hallelujah. But in leadership, now I had to lean on God's understanding and not on my own. I needed to lean on God to help me to teach the people what he needed me to teach them. I needed to learn how to love the women that he wanted me to love. I needed to learn how to advise the women that he wanted me to advise, but through him, because of him, and not because of me. Hallelujah. There's sometimes that I'll say something and Tony will be like, man, that really sounds like a master level degree, like insight. You know, and, and I say, well, to God be the glory because I know it's not me. I know it's God who has given me the ability to be who I am now in this place, in this position where he has put me. Amen. But not because of my own strength, not because of my own knowledge, because of what the spirit of God continues to give me in order for me to release and to be effective and to impact the lives that God places in my, in my path. Amen. And this is what God wants to continue to do with each and every one of us today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. But let's not allow fear dictate our outcome. Hallelujah. Now, if we go back to the word, see how God trains Gideon to push through his fear. If we go back a little bit to verse 25, it says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord, your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bowl and offer a burnt offer sacrifice with the wood of the image, which you shall cut down. Mm. Imagine you picture yourself going into your mother's house or your father's house and tearing down or bringing down or taking apart something that belongs to your parents. Because God told you to do it. Could you imagine? Like, I could imagine the reaction of my mother if God ever told me, remove the plastic off of her sofas. <laughs> because, yes, my mother is old school, and she is covering her sofas. And to this day, she's got no kids in the house, but they're covered. Right? But imagine me going up in there and telling her, Mom, I'm sorry, but God told me I have to remove the plastic. Not sure exactly what his plans are, but it's what I got to do yeah, I don't think she's going to be receiving me with open loving arms. Amen. And I, so I couldn't picture Gideon telling God, like, what are you asking me to do? This is my father's house. And you're telling me to tear down an altar that he created that's within his house and the people around him had accepted it as well. So now he not only had to face his dad, if he didn't, he had to also uh, face the men in the camp. So I could imagine him being afraid and feeling fearful and with, with, um, with reason, amen, right? With reason for him to feel afraid. But what did he do? It says in 27, so Gideon took, see, he's learning to trust God. He's learning that God is taking him somewhere. He has a plan for him. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. The Bible said that he did it by night, right? because he was afraid. Everybody say afraid. He was afraid, but that was okay. It didn't matter to God when he did it. It mattered to God that he did it. Amen. So it doesn't matter if we have to do it by night or by day. It doesn't matter if we have to do it in the afternoon, whatever it is that God is calling us to do. Maybe he just wants you to worship and you're in the bathroom and he's like, hey, sing me a song. Sing it. It doesn't matter that you're in the bathroom. He wants you to do it there and then, and there and then is when he's going to bless you with it right? He's going to maybe reveal something to you or increase your faith at that moment. But sometimes we let, you know, life and the way we've learned to live life to teach, to show us or teach us how God wants to work with us. No, he works with us the way he wants to at the moment that he wants to, whether it looks appropriate to us or not. Hallelujah. So he went and he did it by night. Okay. The fact that he did it, even though it was, even though he was afraid, is the outstanding fact in the scripture, because it meant that he did not allow fear to dictate his outcome. He figured, hey, maybe they will get me. Maybe they will beat me down. Maybe they will, you know, have something to say, but I'm going to do it because now I'm learning to trust in the God almighty who revealed himself to me. Amen. And yes, when we continue to read the verses below, the people and the men wanted to come against him, but God his infinite mercy gave wisdom to his father, the father who wasn't seeking God. But you see, God will sometimes, even when we're not seeking him, he'll give us wisdom when we need it because he's trying to deliver us from something, right? Or he's trying to deliver our loved ones from something. God is just merciful that way. Man, hallelujah. So he gives him wisdom and he tells them, hey, huh, see if you can do it. And the men were not allowed to, tr- to, um, to touch Gideon. Hallelujah. The words that, that God gave him um, kept Gideon from being hurt or, um, damaged, if you will, by the men in the, um, in the camp. Amen. But God is fair, faithful. And he was faithful to God in that circumstance. He didn't allow fear to stand in the way of what God was asking him to do. Hallelujah. And here's the thing about that. You see, we're going to be asked to do things that at times we're going to have fear about. God is going to ask us to take on tasks, that we never saw ourselves doing. It's during those times when God is in the process of increasing us, maturing us, and growing us. But it's during those times that fear tends to kick in. Because what is being asked of us is something that we thought we would never do or could ever do. Amen? And so when you find yourself saying, there is no way I can preach on the streets, No way I'm bold enough to talk to somebody about God's love and mercy and what he's done for me. No way that I can ever just walk up to a random stranger and tell them that God loves him. The Lord is saying, yes way. Yes, you can, because I'm the one sending you. Because of what I've done for you, you need to go and show others that I am able, that I am powerful, that I am mighty, and that I can still take lives and change them around, turn them around and make them anew and give them a new hope and a new faith in which to live life on, in which to live life through, amen, in which to walk the journey out through with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are times when I've said, I can't do these things. There were a time where I even said, I'll never clean the church. I could never clean the church. And not because I think it's an insignificant task, because it is not. It's actually a, a rewarding one. But because I can't stand to clean. <laughs> I know it might be controversial to use this word here, but I hate cleaning. I hate it with a passion. And maybe because my mother has so many little trinkets, and when it came to clean, I had to clean every little dust and cranny of those trinkets. Oh, my God. Well, sometimes I just wanted to, throw them out. Like you don't need these things, but a hate for cleaning grew inside of me. And I think my sister can probably attest to it, you know, but you know, and then you find these people who love cleaning, you know, you call them and you're like, what are you up to today? Oh, I'm cleaning my house. It's such a stress reliever. Are you crazy? <laughs> you know, it's my thought. Like, are you t- stress? It causes me stress. It doesn't relieve my stress. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, don't get me wrong, organization and cleaning are two different things. So, you know, they, I, I love organizing. Everything has to be in its place. I like when people get things in their place. My children, my husband can attest to it. I, it just, if it's not in its place, it doesn't make me happy. But cleaning, ugh, I can't take it, right? So I said, I will never clean the church because I, I don't like cleaning. I, I just can't do it. But a few years ago, Tony and I were asked if we were willing to clean the church. So him and I, we said, yes, let's do it. We'll do it. And we did it for about maybe a year and a half or so. And I'm not going to say that I began to love to clean. It did not happen. Right? I went in there and I did what I had to do. But I will say... That it gave me satisfaction knowing that the next day, the people of God were coming into a clean, fresh-smelling temple, right? That they had a clean environment to come and worship God, right? And God's temple should be kept, amen? Because it's where we come to worship him. It's where we come to bring our offering to him, amen? So everything should be in order and in its place. Hallelujah. But. You know, it was God showing me, ha-ha, you said no way, I said I can't. You can, right? He was trying to show me, like, there is a way from when you think there isn't. I am going to show you that you can. Even in the smallest things, he teaches us those lessons so that when the big thing comes, when those big things he introduces us to, that it's kind of like, oh, my God, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Uh -uh Uh-uh, uh-uh, remember you said you couldn't clean the church, but you did it? Yeah, you can do this too. Why? Because it's for me. And when you love God, you're willing, you should be willing to do anything and everything that God asks you to do. Amen? Hallelujah. So that, the Lord, was increasing my thinking in that season in that, you know what? There were things that I was not not going to want to do, that were not going to be easy, that were going to be painful. But you know what? At the end, the reward was greater. And always, it's, you know, it's better to do it than to fight it. When you fight it, you stay stuck in the process, people. It's like a revolving door. Until you learn it, you keep going through it and keep going through it. And I can share one more example with you about a revolving door. And I know it's our finances. I trust God. Like I said before, it's so easy to trust God. It's so easy to trust in that he's powerful and great. But it's so hard to trust in yourself. It's so hard to see things because, right, we want, we're humans and we want to see things visibly. But God is trying to, t- to, to teach us to have faith that we don't see, right? that kind of faith that is blind. And when I don't see the numbers are going to be able to work out, I say, I got to take away from this in order to give to that. The, mo- the, the the erroneous thing that I could ever, ever do. But I found myself doing it, it like a revolving door. Every time I found myself, like, you know, seeing the numbers, like, God, I don't know how you're going to make a way. I don't know how this is going to, how are we going to be able to make the rent this month? I, I just don't see a way. And he would say, but trust me, just Pay the tithe, pay the offering, you will see. And there was one time not too long ago that um, you know, our friend um <clears throat> oh my gosh, uh motor vehicles. <laughs> yeah, our best friends of motor vehicles who like to collect tickets and money for tickets, right? Um they're always, like I said, collecting money, not giving money. And apparently I had paid too much on tickets and I got a check for like over two hundred dollars. And I was like, to God be the glory. Because if I just decide to trust in God, then God will make a way. It's us who keep that way from coming to us because we begin to doubt, amen? And we begin to fear what the outcome might be when we need to not fear and just let the outcome be what God is going to make it to be, amen? Hallelujah. So we were able that month, amen, to, pray, to, to pay our rent. And I've been learning little by little that, you know what? Everything else can wait that's got to be, that I have to give. And yes, you know, it's hard to stand here and say that and be truthful and transparent, but that's the truth. And I need to be real with you because maybe some of you are going through the same thing. Maybe you're stuck in a revolving door and it's because you're still using the same method, the same order from your past when God is trying to teach you a new one. God is trying to show you a new way to do things and you're not allowing God to show you because of the fear, because you're afraid that it's not going to work out. But we can trust God. So if we can trust God, it's going to work out. Amen? Hallelujah. God is faithful. Hallelujah. And now, what's necessary, even more than ever, is evangelizing. We see how our teams are starting to go out and evangelize to the community that we're serving in. And then God is calling each and every one of us today, here, and now, because it is vital. It is important. The kingdom of God is closing. Okay. It's coming to a close. Hallelujah. It's getting closer. Amen. And God doesn't want anyone to be without salvation. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, something that he did not create for us. Because hell was not created for us human beings. But we're allowing people to follow in that direction because we're not allowing God to do what he needs to do with us. We're allowing fear to take over our lives. Hallelujah. And I've decided this spoke to me today when I was putting it together, because I have some of the same fears you guys have. I fear going out there and talking to people and not because I'm afraid of sharing God's word. I know what he's done and I'm grateful and I want to let people know, but because I'm reserved and I tend to be timid, that first greet is hard for me. Like, to, to greet somebody for the first time is uncomfortable for me. It's an awkward moment for myself, amen? So it's hard for me to go out there and do what they do so easily, some of them, because of who I am, right? Right? But I'm challenging myself, just like Helen was saying. I'm challenging myself that when Tony's team goes out next time, I want to go with him. And I want to take my kids with, him, with us as well because they need to learn as well that it's important for them to share the word of God as well. I mean, they made decisions to be baptized. Jenna made a decision to be baptized. And she went out there. and She shared the word of God in the way that she knew how to. She boldly went and did it. She was braver than I was because God knows I've been running from evangelism. Because it's just something that's not comfortable for me. And I thought that it was okay. I said, I, I, you know, why should I do what I'm not comfortable? God has made me, created me the way I am. I don't need to do that. But if God called me to be a leader and it wasn't how he created me to be, that means that he's pushing me forward to continue to grow me, to mature me. And that's an area that I need to allow God to increase in my life. Amen? And, you know, something else touched me really, um, really strongly in my heart my sister and my brother-in-law have started um, pastoring a church. And so they also have been going out in their community and evangelizing to the people. And a few weeks ago, they were going to step out, and one of his daughters, right, my niece, um, she's very shy. She's a miracle. She was diagnosed with autism at the age of two. And right now, her, um, her, um, diagnosis is just developmentally delayed she speaks now she's active now you know she can have conversation with you she'll be able to live her own life she's in school she's doing great amen she loves to sing she's singing for god but she's shy which is funny because she's shy but she sings right so she has to be in front of people but it's hard for her it's not an easy task it's a, a, a difficult task but she does it. so this day they're going out and he, she tells her dad "Dad, I, I i can't do that i can't talk to people I, i'm not comfortable with that so he goes, you know what? Give me your phone. What? Give me your phone. And he puts it in his pocket. And while as my sister's telling me this, I'm thinking, man, that's kind of mean. Like, she's not comfortable doing it. Like, leave the child alone, right? <clears throat> but God uses us to be wise, right? Us parents. And he tells her, No, I'm keeping my phone in my in, in, I'm keeping your phone in my pocket, and you're gonna take these ten. Cards, like the same ones that we've created at Calvary, he says, or, you know, for their church, you're going to take these 10 cards. You have to give out these 10 cards and talk to at least 10 people by the end of today. And if you can do that, you get your phone back. But if you can't do it, you're not going to have your phone for about a week. She was like, but, (laughs) and, you know, my sister tells me, she starts crying, Daddy, I can't do it. I I can't. He goes, well, this is the task that God is giving you today. Either you take it or you don't. But you have to suffer the consequences after either way. So she was like, "Oh God!" So she goes with my sister, and she, you know, they start knocking on doors, and she has a card. So my sister tells, "Okay, this one's you." And then they have um, a Spanish-speaking lady, and she goes, "Listen, we're gonna knock. If the person speaks Spanish, I'll speak. But if the person speaks English, you're gonna speak." She's like, "Oh God! Oh my God!" With the card in her hand, she's like, "Oh God!" So the door knocks. You know, I could picture her, you know, and she, um, she goes, "Um," my sister says, she goes, "Um." Um, my mom, who's right here, She's a pastor, and, 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 we, and our church is right in the neighborhood. And, you know, she tried started giving them a little bit specifics of what she knew, what just came straight out of her heart. And she said, and you know, and sometimes I teach the little kids, and my mom teaches the little kids, and she does really good. So if you have children, bring them on. And I'm telling you, they're going to have a really good time with my mom, you know. And she just started just flowing with what she knew. That's it, you know. And she says, and we just want you to know that this is our information, and God loves you. And she said, you know, my sister said she did it ten times. She gave out those ten cards faithfully. Amen, hallelujah, to God be the glory. And she comes back and she goes, dad, dad, I did it, dad. I did it. I gave out all the 10 cards. And he goes, you see, my love? When we do what God calls us to do, we're rewarded with, rich, with riches, right? And he goes, here's your phone back, and you can do as you please with it. But I'm glad that you learned, that you're able, that you're capable, that God gave you a mouth to use, to teach, to preach, and to encourage others to come to the Lord. And this is what God is showing you today. And, you know, she just smiles, because I, I, I know her reactions, So she smiles, and, okay, Dad, and walks away. But if this is a 14-year-old, who was diagnosed with, with autism, who God delivered to the point where is you know, it's just, I, that to me is amazing. It's just developmental delay. You know, she needs help in certain areas, but she, she functions, and, and she's even now, you know, sharing God's love and mercy with perfect strangers, which she is totally not comfortable with. Jenna, who's barely 10, 9, 10, 10 can do it. How can we not? We have had more experiences with God We've had more experiences that we've shared with the Lord, amen, than these children have. But they take, you see, they take our word for it. They take at face value what we tell them about who God is and what God does. Because their experiences with God are small, aren't as big, aren't as many as ours because we've been doing this for a lot longer so why not take the lord's word or or his word at face value and go out and do what he is calling us to do in this season amen do what what gideon did that although for so many years he accepted that he was not going to be capable of doing anything he heard god's voice he heard him call him a man of valor a man that was um able and capable to do what god was calling him to do he took it at face value it took him a process and that's okay. God is going to take us to the process. But if we allow him to, we're going to step out on the other side saying, I am able because God is with me and he is by my side. And he was so amazing that he took Gideon, literally one man, because the Midianites were numerous, it says in the beginning of the word. It says that there were so many. At the beginning when Gideon gathered all the people to create the army, they had over 32,000 men show up. But God told him, no way. They're gonna take the glory. They're gonna think they did it at their own hands because they have so many with so many men, because you have so many men with you. I need you to tailor it down. And he gave them a strategy, and Gideon followed his strategy. See, God is gonna give us strategies. He's not gonna leave us alone. He's not gonna abandon us. He's not gonna say, go out there and now do what you gotta do all on your own. No, he's gonna show us, he's gonna teach us, he's gonna have someone in our path who'll tell us, here, this is how you can start, this is how you can do it. He never leaves us alone. And so he gave them the strategy, Gideon followed it, and at the end of the day, he left them with 300 men. Can you imagine from 32,000 to 300 men? And now imagine the Midianites, how many of them they had to face. But with Gideon and 300, God gave them the victory in his hands. Amen? Because that's the God we serve. That's the God that's calling us. It's not, the, it's not a God that, has, um, that sits on a floor or on an altar with hands folded and feet crossed. It's a God who died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day because he wanted to let us know that he was real, powerful, almighty, came to save. Amen? Came to deliver us, free us from our old mindsets, free us from the doubt and the fears that the world or our parents or those around us have implemented in us to free us from those things and allow us to do what God has called us to do. He said in his word that greater things we would do than he did while he was on this earth. And if we think about the mighty miracles that God did while he walked on this earth and he said we could do greater, man, we should be resurrecting four or five people from the dead at once. Hallelujah. We should be healing people from, from, from blindness, from, from being crippled, I don't know, three or four or five at a time, because God did it, and he said we could do more and greater than he. Hallelujah. He also said that whatever we asked in his name, he would do. He would tell the Father, and it would get done. Hallelujah. But we have doubt. We allow doubt to keep us from doing what God is calling us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To conclude, I want to leave you with this um, verse. If we could have it put up on the um, screen, it's Philippians two thirteen, the NLT version, please. I want you to see the words for yourselves. I want you. There's something about visual like when you take it in through your eyes and you receive it into your into your spirit. Amen. Philippians two thirteen. Thank you. And it says, "For God is working in you." Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So whatever desire you're having, whatever God is placing in your heart, know that he has given you the power, the ability, the strategy, the skills, the talents that you need to get it done. Amen? Because it's going to please who? You? Satisfy you? Him. He will be glorified. Hallelujah. So I don't know. Whose confidence God has been trying to boost up these last few Sundays, amen? Who he's trying to tell you that you can. That you can do the thing you have been wanting to do, but self-doubt keeps standing in your way. I don't know who he is allowing, who is allowing fear to dictate, dictate their outcome in life, in their marriages, in their ministry, over their children. But God is encouraging you today not to allow self-doubt or fear stand in your way of what God is calling you to do in your home, in your family's lives, in the people around you, amen, in the people outside of these four walls. Permit God to take you out of your comfort zone and expand you. He is a way maker. Where you thought there was no way, God is telling you, yes, there is because I am with you. Don't be afraid to keep praying just because you haven't seen the results you are expecting or because you haven't seen the answers to your prayer. God is making a way out of no way. Where you have said there is no way God, save, can God can save him or save her, God is saying, yes, I can. Just wait and continue to trust and have faith in me. Hallelujah. The times you have said there is no way I can do what she does or there's no way I can do what he does, yes, you can. Because all you need to learn is that it's not in your strength, but in God's. His word tells us that through Christ, we can do all things. That means in God, if God is calling you to do something, then he has given you all you need to do it. He had to make Gideon realize that very thing. That who God saw was a man of mighty valor because it's who God created him to be. So it didn't matter that the world had made him to think he wasn't. It was what God knew about him that counted. And it's what God knows about you and how he created you to be that counts today.